0: Welcome to the AEW Match Guide Podcast, where we deep dive into the best matches in AEW history. Brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network and your host, Sam Brown. Yes, hello and welcome to the AEW Match Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brown. Thanks for joining me. Every week, alongside a special guest, I take an in-depth look at one of the best matches in AEW history taken from the definitive AEW Match Guide, as ranked by over 30 wrestling commentators from around the internet wrestling community. If you enjoy the show today, you can subscribe and rate it on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, My guest today is a podcaster with a proclivity for positivity, the host of All About All Elite here on Social Suplex, Floyd Johnson Jr. uh, And we are looking at FTR versus the Young Bucks from Full Gear 2020.
1: How are you going today, Floyd? I am doing well. Um, yeah, when you called or when you messaged me and asked me what match I wanted to do on this list I almost jumped out of my chair because this was the match. This is probably my favorite match uh, It's either this or Cody versus Dustin in AEW history uh, I happened to have the fortunate of being live at this match and it was Everything that I wanted it to be, everything that I've been dreaming for it to be over the last four years, everything that I never thought I would get, because I honestly never thought this match would happen.
0: Yeah, it was steaming hot in many, many ways that we'll get into later in the match. <laughs> uh, so before before we get into the actual match, Floyd, uh, if, if you're joining us here on the Social Suplex, chances are you know this because Floyd is the Mr. AEW on the Social Suplex podcast network. Um, but for the people, um, what is your history with AEW, Floyd? How did you discover this promotion?
1: Okay, so I'm a big Cody fan. So when he left the WWE and shortly after, six months to a year after, joined the Bullet Club, I started watching uh, Being the Elite, and I went to ROH shows, and then I was at All In. So All In is considered the pilot for AEW, and I was in All In, and I saw, of course, my boy Cody win the NWA title, and still one of the loudest pops I ever heard. As soon as they hit the three on uh, Nick oh, all beautiful match. It, it, beautiful match. It, it was, yeah, it was a beautiful match. And it was just like, as far as from beginning to end, it was one of the livest, most energetic crowds I'd ever been in. And I never thought I would experience it again. And I've experienced it quite a few more times after that. Mm. So it's a feeling, like, I used to get it just a random Raw when I was in high school and raw would come through Oklahoma city and they would have to cut off traffic because so many people were going and it was just this energy and everything was over. I hadn't felt what I felt at all in, in 10, 15 years, at least probably closer to 20. So uh, when I felt that I was like, I need this in my veins. And uh, Jeremy and, and Josh looked for someone to cover AEW, and I was like, absolutely, I'll cover AEW, and I have been at all the pay-per-views except one.
0: Yeah, and you're, a, you're a lucky man, Floyd.
1: <laughs> <As, laughs> and as, that was the one that you didn't let anyone in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and as the as the good people know, and from my accent, uh, I, haven't had, I haven't had a chance to go see AEW because I happen to live across the other side of the ocean uh, to where AEW has been so far. But I, I totally agree with your sentiment there. I, I feel like for so many of us who became maybe a little bit jaded towards Wrestling at different points, AEW sort of gives you that feeling of being a child where you're like so excited to know what happens and you just can't wait. I know for myself, like Dynamite happens when I'm working during the day. So I have to dodge spoilers during the day and in the afternoon until I get my little girl down and then I sit down and and watch Dynamite. And I'm always – you know, on the edge of my seat, just took I can't wait to see what happens just with that sort of childlike wonder. And that, I think that's been the magic for AEW, bringing so many hardcore fans back to that pure fandom, uh, as opposed to, you know, maybe you don't care so much if you get spoiled and you sort of take everything a bit cynically. Whereas, uh, I don't know, for, for myself at least, AEW is just something I can just fully invest in and, and fully mark out for, you know, when you have a match like this, um, you know, this has been a match that you dreamed of for, for years and years and you got it. And I imagine, you know, we're going to hear about today how how meaningful it was for you.
1: Absolutely. Um, I I kind of went over kind of what I'm going to say so I could kind of get the the choking up and the tears out of my voice Because <laughs> <laughs> it's one of it's literally one of my favorite matches ever between yeah. two of my favorite teams like ever.
0: Well, look, to introduce the actual match itself, as I said before, it's FTR versus the Young Bucks. Um, just to to get into some of the flowers that it got at the time, Dave Meltzer ranked at five stars point two and a quarter, beat the five star ranking. Grapple, the notorious, the hard markers at Grapple, it's four point four one currently. Cage match, it's in rare air, it's nine point one six. And in the definitive AEW match guide, it ranked in at ninth. So we've been over why you chose this match, but I wanted to get into the build because this this match, I feel like, is about the build as much as it is about the actual match itself because it was building forever. It started in, like, 2016 on social media with these two teams going back and forth. Of course, on BTE, we had the FTR, the fuck the revival, (laughs) chat, and then the FTRR, do you get it, moment. In 2018, Dash Harwood at the time, now Dax, he posted on Twitter, one day we'll wrestle the Young Bucks and everyone will rejoice, remember this tweet. Uh, And beyond that, just countless debates, countless back and forths. Floyd, I know for you personally, you were right at the start of it in 2016. Can you just tell us this story that you were telling me beforehand about being in line and hearing the revival sort of really cut, cut one on the Young Bucks?
1: So, yeah, I'm at WrestleMania 32 standing in line for uh, the revival and, you know, got my little fanny pack on. I'm very excited. And we get up there and this dude's wearing a Young Buck shirt. That's proper wrestler, like, by the way, wearing a fanny pack to a wrestling convention. <laughs> absolutely. Actually, <laughs> that fanny pack that I wore is actually now signed by FTR.
0: Oh, um, they would have loved that.
1: <laughs> yes, they did. They did love it. They, they, uh, they was like, yeah, I love the fanny pack. Yeah. So when that happened, he was wearing the young Bucks shirt. They started going off about the, the, the scrawny little guys called the young bucks. Uh, you know, they never make it back in the day because of course their revival and that was their whole gimmick was being, you know, wrestlers from back in the day. And he was like. You know they never make it, those boys. And they tried to get me into it, and I was like, "Yeah, they don't, they don't know." I'm like, I wasn't a big bucks fan at this time, so I'm like, "Oh, they don't know. Those little dudes couldn't do anything. All they could do was uh, lace up your shoes and carry your gear." And yeah, we just g- got into it. It was like. Pretty much until recently, it was like the longest interaction I had in there, and it was making fun of the Young Bucks. So it really was this kind of, you know, moment, because from that Mm -hmm. moment, I was like, okay, I need this match to happen. And this is before I ever met the Young Bucks. I actually met the Young Bucks later that year, like a few months later. And did of course, him, did you tell
0: them that uh, the revival cut him, went on them.
1: <laughs> I told him exactly what happened. Like the revival cutter went on them. And he's like, man, we really love those guys. Those are <laughs> really nice guys. Hopefully we get to work with them one day. Well, Just
0: compl- like, I like these guys because one day we're going to make a lot of money with them.
1: <laughs> yes. Like like the best baby face like cut promo ever. It was like they didn't say one bad thing about the FTR. And then. A little, few months later, Cody started with the F the Revival thing, and I was <laughs> like, uh, I can't do that. You know, <laughs> I can't say that. I'll roll with you, Cody. <laughs> I, I, I can't roll with you. I mean, I'd follow, I, I, I'd follow you in the war, sir. But uh, I, I can't, I can't diss the Revival. Those are my boys. Yeah.
0: and I mean, 2016 was when was when the Revival really made their name. They were on an absolute hot streak. They had the matches with America with well, I mean, Enzo and Cass. They had fantastic matches with them. Absolutely, one of the hottest crowds, WWE crowds I've ever seen at the NXT takeover, Dallas, when they were against American Alpha. Uh, And then, of course, the incredible series with DIY. And, you know, we all know the history of the Young Bucks. And I think the two of these, the reason that they made such a, it was such a great rivalry is it pitched the old school versus the new school. These, this clash of styles and then also a clash of fan bases. You had, you know, the WWE NXT guys. You had the more at the time, Ring of Honor, Indy, New Japan following that the Young Bucks had. There was just so much volatility around then. And of course, I feel like this match got even more hyped as the Revival sort of had to pull back when they got onto the main roster and weren't necessarily able to live to the potential that they wanted to and you could see glimpses of it every now and again and every now and again you'd hear a report from a house show of them just absolutely tearing up the ring with a Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler and and just absolutely blowing the the roof off the house but never actually getting to see it and then of course you know AEW happens and the Young Bucks say we want to make tag team this a tag team wrestling destination so of course you know you've got lots of Tag teams joining Lucha Bros, Proud and Powerful, SCU, of course, the Young Bucks as EVPs. But the whole time you're going, man, when are when are we going to get the revival into the mix here? Did you always think that this match would happen?
1: No, I I absolutely did not think it would happen. Uh, FTR was in WWE. They had been NXT champions, SmackDown champions, Raw champions. They had been being used. And yeah, I thought they were going to be there forever. I thought they were going to retire in the wwe system and i don't know if they will admit it but they're getting booked at the end towards that last two years they're getting booked terribly just terribly in wwe or not used at all and they're killing it on house shows fans are telling them all oh, how great they are on house shows but who's winning who's getting the five-star tag team matches who's on the getting the number one on wrestling observer who's having to do P- hot <laughs> yeah pwi and it's like it's the young bucks and they're killing it yeah. because they're allowed to perform they're allowed to do what mm. they do really really well and yeah they're doing oozy hot and they're telling jokes and they sent out the gear you know that wwe wanted them to send out you know and they're, they're like oh we're telling stories and ftr At their core are just professional wrestlers, and they just want to tell the wrestling, the physical wrestling in the ring. They don't mind cutting promos. They don't mind doing that, but they're a fan of 80s wrestling, 80s tag team wrestling. That's what professional wrestling is to them, and yeah, and then WWE wasn't aligning with their values.
0: Mm, Yep. And eventually, of course, as we know, they, they managed to finally get the release that they were, they were seeking, that they were after, and they turned up in AEW, looking at the two teams sort of where they were positioned in AEW, because it, it factors into the match itself. Uh, in AEW, the Bucks initially, even though they were one of the creators of the company, they didn't do so so well early on as a team. You know, they lost the first round of the championship tournament in, the, in one of the very first Dynamites. They got beaten by Hangman and Kenny at the at the pay-per-view and they finally managed to get uh, into the number one contender's position. And they also missed out on a chance for a rematch um, with Hangman and Kenny at All Out. Uh, and by contrast, FTR, they arrived after double or nothing immediately faced off with the elite. They had, of course, a number of multi-man matches that featured the Bucks and Kenny, but they were immediately successful by contrast. They were unbeaten for a good while, and they slowly managed to use Hangman to sort of splinter the elite. Uh, and and used it to get under the Buck's skin because they ultimately knew that Hangman and Kenny had the belts and the Bucks were their biggest competition and they singled those two teams out. The way they wrestle is by cutting off the ring and, and breaking up the team that way and that's the way they approached these guys by using Hangman to splinter the elite, to turn Kenny Omega on his tag team partner and just really sow seeds of animosity in there and eventually it paid off with Hangman Page helping them beat the Bucs in the gauntlet match to determine the number one contender to face them at all out. They won it all out. FTR then went into doing the brush with greatness. They were still unbeaten, just rolling through tag teams, rolling through tag teams. Floyd, what did you think of the initial build up of these two teams and the positioning on the roster with the Bucks and not being successful, whereas FTR coming in just red hot and slicing through the division like a knife through
1: butter? You know what? I was confused. Because at the time when your AEW first started, to me, there were clear one and two tag teams. So I figured when they did the tag team tournament, it would end with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros wrestling for the tag titles. They had already done it at uh, double or nothing, and they had uh, the match again at All Out, both amazing matches. So I figured you're starting your company, you're starting your tag team vision, you're launching your tag team titles. It's going to be. The Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros. Then we get the Young Bucks losing the first round to Private Party. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Well, this is setting up for something bigger. The Lucha Bros are going to win. The Lucha Bros then lose in the finals. Okay. Well, one of them is going to beat Scorpio Sky and <laughs> Zarian for the title. Oh, okay. Now, okay. Now, Kenny and Hangman are the champions. Okay. Very confused because this is to make you got like the best tag team mm. division in the world and you put a makeshift tag team as your tag team title uh, holders. I'm always going to fundamentally have a problem with that. To me, makeshift tag teams are like a heavy rate wrestling a X division star. You know what I mean? It's just. Mm. Yeah, that's not where you belong. So they. Get yeah, I like,
0: has- just to, with that point, I, I do kind of tend to agree with you there. It can work, particularly when it's done to, you know, enhance a story or a feud, which is what they did with this. I think this worked, but that was largely off the back of their work. But fundamentally it was a head scratcher at the time, you know, for every really good team, like maybe a Jerry show or Owen Hart and Yoko Zuni, you've got, you know, a hundred MVPs and Mark Henry's or the Miz and big shows where it's just like, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this?
1: Yes. And this one worked, it worked mm. exceptionally well. Probably had, I think it had the highest <laughs> a hangman, hangman and kenny versus the young bucks is the highest rated match in AEW history correct
0: yeah well in the in the match guide that we did it was number one ma- yeah. you know won countless yeah. match of the year polls
1: yeah, yeah they all, we haven't they, covered
0: they, it here but we will one day <laughs> they
1: didn't even wrestle they wouldn't even tag for a year and they were in like all the tag team of the year talk so yeah. it worked immensely well i mean i can't you know like hindsight being 2020 yeah there there was Why would you question that? These two are amazing wrestlers. your
0: point is that fundamentally, (laughs) as a a concept, it's generally something you don't want to be doing a whole lot of.
1: So, yeah, and they held the belts, you know, for a while. I think they had, you know, the longest reign until recently. And then um, at All Out, Hangman and Kenny, they tagged and lost to FTR. Uh, Again, I was there. Very happy to be there for that event. And it was just like, okay, in my mind, a real tag team has the belt. I'm happy. This is what AEW meant when they said they were meaning the greatest tag team in the division, and they started building to the Young Bucks. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is this is right. This is mm-hmm. right. This is right. They're finally on the right path. You're going to have tag team number one versus tag team number two. Up until then, yeah, up until the, like when FTR won the titles, not just FTR. It could have been any established tag team. But once they turned the tag team titles, I felt like the tag team division was back to being what it's supposed to be.
0: And that was sort of FTR's take on it as well. They were saying, you know, we're going to cut out the drama. You know, you're not going to see us turning on one another. We're not, You're not going to see all this drama with us. We're just going to do, you know, these one after the other championship matches with their, you know, a brush with greatness thing, 20 minutes come in see if he can knock us off and no one could that was sort of the the story that they were telling as well was that you know we're a team we're not two individuals so we don't have distractions We're just about the wrestling, the physicality of it. And, you know, in in the actual build up, them being on a hot streak and the Young Bucks sort of struggling, I think, was a a really interesting contrast. And then, of course, that led to the Bucks sort of having a coming-to-Jesus moment almost, um, deciding, you know, getting a little bit more pissed off, a little bit more aggressive, thinking they needed to go back to their more abrasive style that had worked for them, you know, back in 2016 when this was all kicking off. Rather than, you know, these more just nice guys and, a you know, maybe lovely EVPs to work with, but not necessarily as successful as they could have been in the ring. And that's storyline wise, of course, I'm saying. Yeah,
1: I mean, the tag team division in AEW needs the Young Bucks. Mm. It was like they did a great job of a building anticipation. Uh, their fandom is crazy and exciting and very passionate. Uh, One of my friends Owen Reynoldson, giving them a shout out on here The biggest Young Bucks fan I know follows them all around The country and it's just like It's time it's time You know it's like shit or get off The pot it's time to be champions Mm. You know and so even when They put the stipulation That they would never challenge for the Tag belts again it was just like Yes this is what we Want put yourself in the corner Build the desperation
0: With that, I was going to actually ask you, because you're such a big Cody fan, I always thought that, and with the Bucks being a little bit more pissy in this, (laughs) and and with their eventual direction of, you know, just becoming these absolutely insufferable pricks (laughs) known. I was going to say, did you think that was at all a shot at what Cody did the year before, saying that he loses, he'll never go for the championship again? I always thought... It was never stated by the commentators or, you know, expanded on by them. But I always thought, like, the symmetry in that was a bit funny. And I I don't know, it felt like a bit of a backhander to him. I
1: I don't remember it clearly, so I could be embellishing this in my brain. But I believe when they announced it, Nick Nick Jackson kind of made a face and kind of, like, almost mockingly said, we'll never challenge for the belt again, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it was towards Cody, even though they were faces at the time, I still think there was a mocking tone to it. And they did it at the same pay-per-view that he did it at. Yeah. And it was just, and and they kind of threw it on at the end, this unnecessarily stipulation. I will go on record. As I'm saying the Cody stipulation is the dumbest stipulation ever in wrestling to me. I hate it. I absolutely hated it when he said it, uh, when he lost I thought it was building up to him winning, he lost, and I was like, I still hate it to this day. I hate the stipulation. (laughs) I just, I just, I don't think there's a reason ever to take, like, other than, like, injury to take someone out of a system. Like, if he had challenged three or four times for the tag belts like the Young Bucks did, and he was like, this is my fourth chance, you know, I'll never challenge for it again if I lose. Cool. I can understand it, but he was doing it on his first challenge. I, I'm not going to go off on a long tangent. I just hate, I hate well, the stipulation. A
0: little bit of behind the scenes. Um, with the, the, A lot of these are a bit pre-recorded, so we're sort of recording a few before we kick things off here, and one of the other matches that I've done is Cody versus Jericho. Um, with my friend Miz fans, so you'll have to listen into that one, Floyd, and we we do get into that stipulation there as well. We we Absolutely. need to get into, into this actual match though. Um, no, I'm so ready. Whenever yeah, you are. yeah, let's let's get started. We're, we've you know we taken as long as the Young Bucks and FTR did to finally get to finally lock horns with a match. So they they kick things off with a, a fantastic big match promo talking about sort of the legacy defining stakes of this match. Um, and showing how personal things had gotten with these two over the months leading up to this match. Buck's come out big match Lakers colors purple and yellow FTR come out coming out looking also looking hot and sweaty <laughs> great bomber jacks jackets proclaiming them the greatest tag teams of all time and they're in green and white for the Celtics apparently you'll have to enlighten me Lakers okay. Celtics that's a thing okay. is it
1: yes Lakers and Celtics was a big rivalry in the 80s and actually took some notes to add to this They young bucks come out in their Lakers and Spider jerseys Lakers in the 80s were the showtime flashy teams big passes of course the young bucks are also from california yeah i knew that much yeah so that leads into it they wear the pants and the tassels everything about them is flashy just like the lakers that's brilliant i
0: I didn't i did not know that i'm so glad you pointed that out because that's i mean that's a fantastic story beat right it's perfect symmetry uh, yes. The Celtics, I, I don't know much. All I know is Michael Jordan was like the showtime guy for the, that side of the conference or however it works in the NBA. The Celtics, are they like hardworking, working, working yes. class? I know they're from Boston, so
1: they're, um, very, you know, they're, in Town, a, they're the classic franchise. Uh, 17 that's, that's, NBA titles. They won like nine championships in a row. They're more technically, and they play more fundamental basketball. They're the franchise of Bill Russell and Larry Bird. Green tights and you know, FTRs wearing just you know, green tights and boots, very classic wrestling with all they have on the back is G T O A T on the back, yep. greatest tag greatest team, tag team of all, all time. time. Yeah, so it's like even their entrances were contrasting. It's yep, like brilliant. they FTR comes. I mean Young Bucks come out with the the you know, the bucks and everything just splashy, just in general. FTR, we just have our music. Walk now to the ring. They do their five. Everything's about business. It's they contrast it the whole way to the ring.
0: Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I, I'm so glad you pointed that out, Floyd. Um, of course, Tully was banned from ringside, so he gets immediately sent to the back. Limited seating, as we as we know at that point, but still a lot of noise going into it. And early on in the match, both teams are just sort of showing off. You know, Bucks trying to unload on strikes and double teams, FTR trying to ground the faster and more agile team down. That's, you know, classics between those two. Um, Bucks are the first team to hit a big sequence of offense. They hit double harakaranas, sending FTR to the outside. Really great back and forth here. Immediately sets up the story of the match where you've got two teams so different. We're not going to go through everything, as I said, Floyd, but
1: what of the action early on stood out to you? Okay, so the first 10 minutes, I'm just breaking it up into segments. So I uh, was told it's 110 degrees in the ring. So you see Matt sweating profusely. The double here, Karana, into fist. I actually, This was a callback to a Rock and Roll Express versus Tully and Arn match from the 80s. The double her and then the punching in the face, and then they get out the ring. So and Rock and Roll
0: verse Brain Busters is very much the two teams that these would most be identified with. These two teams would most be identified with.
1: Absolutely. I just thought in the first 10 months that that was literally the spot I wrote about. Because I, when I saw it happen, I immediately went back to like 7-year-old me where I remember watching that match and watching that exact sequence. So the Bucks are literally, in first 10 minutes, dominating the Meridian match. They're one step ahead of FTR at every every move, and it's pure babyface heel style at the beginning of a match.
0: Yeah, the rhythm of the match reveals itself really early with, you know, FTR working over Matt, focusing on the knee that they pilmanized in the buildup, which I forgot to mention <laughs> amongst the other things going on. Uh, you know, really working over that knee trying to keep Nick out of the match as much as possible and just doing everything they can to do it. Just classic FTR stuff, I think. There's one moment, you know, where Matt's just in a ton of pain. Dax is just so ruthlessly working over the knee. Matt, you know, finally pulls himself to the edge, and just as they're about to get the tag, Cash just, like, sweeps Nick off the apron, times it perfectly. It's exactly what initially made the revival stand out and pop those sorts of spots uh, in WWE, and they just hit it perfectly here.
1: Absolutely, and it's just... You know, the crispness of all the moves, uh, how everything means something, and is leading to the next thing. Uh, Dax, like, hits his hand into a post and busts his hand open. It has to get wrapped by Doc Sampson. The asymmetry of that is Matt's ankle is broke. And what is the Young Bucks known for? They're known for super kicking. Mm. And now in Dax's hand is busted. What is their catchphrase? No flips, just fist. Everything about the tag teams is being told through the story through this match.
0: Yep, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. The these <laughs> these two teams, they're just absolute wrestling nerds. <laughs> All four of them. They, you know, like the way FTR are obviously attribute to the past. The young bucks play it a bit differently. They are they sort of parody the past a little bit and send it up with their act. But you just know from the way these guys wrestle and the way these guys always do those sorts of callbacks and even the way they mock it and parody it, that they are absolute nerds who have watched hours and hours of tape and put hours and hours of thought into everything they do. And that's, you know, what you just mentioned there is the perfect summation of it. I I hadn't even put that two and two together. <laughs>
1: I, you know, I've watched this match a few times as we discussed before <laughs> we started recording. Yeah. I mean, but you have your dad build you a ring in the backyard and, he, and and they said in their book they couldn't afford to send us to college. They made us a ring. That was their education. So they studying and watching what they see on TV and then recreating it in a ring uh, with man, it's just. The self-built nature of it, I, I just think these teams parallel each other so much in their passion for wrestling in general, let alone tag team wrestling. Yeah.
0: Now, midway through the match, just to sort of build on that idea of these guys just being complete nerds, uh, they, they pulled off a number of really cool tributes to some of their influences, with FTR first hitting the heart attack and then the Steiner drop, uh, and then the Bucks hitting a 3D and then a Swanton twist of fate combo.
1: There was actually one more.
0: Oh, uh, Dax
1: Superplex Matt, and then uh, uh, Superplex Matt, and then Cash went for a splash. That was an ode to another tag team that is not really brought up a lot: Power and Glory. That was called Powerplex. That was uh, Hercules. They, do that, and man, they is, do that move a fair
0: bit, though, don't they? Yes, yeah, they must,
1: yes, yeah, and it's always good. an honor to them.
0: Yeah, it, and of course, I mean, of, FTR's finisher is, uh, is an honor to the Brain Busters
1: as well. Yes, absolutely. So I was just saying they hit that move, but yeah, it was just a whole bunch of, hey, here's a nod to the past. Yeah, and,
0: and huge pops for them as well. Like the crowd went mental when they – particularly I think the, uh, the ones they recognized most I think were the heart attack because – I mean, yes, it's the yes, hearts. That's yes. my favorite one of them. I'm i a big Bret Hart fan. So the minute I saw the heart attack, I was just like, yes, <laughs> yes. And from yeah. those guys who are always praising Bret Hart. And then, of course, everyone noted the Swanton and Twist of Fate because the, the Bucks and the Hardys, it's just such an obvious lineage there.
1: Yep. The, the lineage of the blonde hair, uh, blonde hair, brunette tag teams that started with Rock and Roll Express, Hardys and now the Young Bucks.
0: Yeah, and, and you are mentioning before how they were sort of working one another over um, with, of course, Dax having his hand hurt and, and Matt Jackson getting his knee or ankle, yeah, it was his ankle, pulmonized before and continually worked over. I really, really just loved the way that they built the match around that, particularly with Matt trying to get the, the hot tag. And when it finally hit, of course, man, how good is Nick Jackson on a hot tag? <laughs> like, I think there was one where, you know, he hit strikes, kicks. He went out to the out to the outside, did a backflip, hit a double bull, like a bulldog clothesline combination. And the crowd's just going absolutely nuts <laughs> the whole time. And then, of course, uh, we also had the DIY finisher that Dax and Cash hit. Tribute to DIY, the team that they did a lot of work with in the yes. – the wwe and obviously they wanted to send out a signal to those guys by the way on a as a as a sidebar wouldn't it be great if those two ended up somewhere in in AEW as a tag team that would be a fantastic yes. addition fantastic addition if that if that could happen that was
1: the move i popped the most for was the diy one because yeah. that was my favorite of the FTR rivalries
0: yeah one of the one of the bits that i like the most the sort of the segments that i really Enjoyed was when the Bucks put FTR in stereo sharpshooters. Um, so they had one on the outside, one on the inside, respectively. Putting it in the, putting them in sharpshooters. FTR tried to grab their hands, but the Bucks pull them away. And then Matt's leg gives out. And just I don't know the the way that they managed to do that. And then Nick on the is on the outside. He's sort of frustrated. He signals for a tag, but Matt can't even get there. And they you know eventually managed to get it and hit this big near fall with a BTE trigger, which cash saves. But you've got just this continual back and forth of the Nick managing to get managing to get some momentum for his team, Matt letting it down a little bit, Dax and cash doing everything to cut one, cut each other off.
1: What did you think sort of nearing the end of the match? Who did you think would win this? So I came in fully expecting the young bucks to win. Um, uh, But when it came down to, well, the match is getting, you know, kind of hot and heavy and they're hitting the moves and they're about to hit the spike pile driver is when I let it kind of climb into my heart that FTR was going to win the match. Uh, It was just so brilliantly done because they literally until the last moment when the match was decided they made you think both teams were going to win. So many mm. false finishes. Uh, the BTE trigger, you know, I love it because it was a nod to, you know, like, I know they they repurposed it, as I said. And I, they didn't steal it. They repurposed it from uh, Koto Avushi and uh, Kenny Omega. So it's just another the team that they had another great match with. Mm. So when, we, when we're getting to the end, I'm like, I don't know who's going to win this. And I, I'm actually in my seat. And I stand up because I felt like the finish was coming. I felt like we were winding down and I stood up because I just wanted to I wanted to I just wanted to see who was winning because you know I'm wearing my FTR shirt <laughs> and and I'm, I'm like looking at the match and I'm just like on the edge of my seat. Like I can't believe this that I'm watching this. I can't believe who who where is this gonna go. But I just felt like it was perfectly built toward the end.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The the match sort of really hits a pinnacle and a crescendo when they both hit their finishes, but manage to get so first Cash dives into save from the BTE trigger. Uh, after that, the there's a bit more back and forth, and then FTR get them up for a mind breaker on Matt, but Matt gets his foot on the on the corn on the uh, on the ropes to to just make the save. And then I love this bit where Cat the Cash rips Matt's boot off um, and the Dax puts it in inverted figure four. It just looks so brutal. And Matt's selling is just impeccable at this moment. And then Cash just launches himself over the ropes onto the outside. It's the most ugly but effective looking <laughs> looking sort of dive you've seen just to just sort of stop Nick from getting – from to stop Nick from being able to, to get in and make the save while – Dax has got Matt in the figure four inverted figure four. And then cash goes for this cash goes for this 450 splash, which Matt dodges hits a super kick with his exposed foot literally falls on top of cash because he can't stand anymore. Cause of his foot that he's just, that's been worked on the whole match. And then he manages to hit the super kick, but it kills him. He literally falls on top of cash to get the three count, get the win, you know, they could have gone with one of their finishers for the ending, but instead they did this, and it was a surprise ending. It was a brilliant ending. I think it caught lots of people off off um, off guard, but also had some sort of narrative and
1: story to it as well. Yes. Uh, a big thing in the 80s and old school matches, very rarely did a title change hand with someone's finisher. It just didn't. It was always some kind of roll up. Ric Flair was like the roll up king. He was either getting rolled up or rolling someone up for the pin, a knee to the chest, some kind of quick pin that the person just gets shocked. So we get this cash, you know, you know, he doesn't have Tully there to uh, keep him focused. So he he gets excited. He's like, these dudes aren't staying down. I have to do something dramatic. So cash makes the first huge mistake of the match. He goes for the springboard 450. He goes up in there. No flips. No fists. That's their whole gimmick. And mm-hmm. he does a flip. And of course, not being comfortable off on the top ropes, he misses. And what does Matt do? The ankle that they have been working on and they've been damaging and they, that they have tried to take out. He uses the damaged ankle to kick Cash Wheeler in the face and get the one, two, two, three poetic justice, baby face vengeance. Not only did not only did you not take my ankle away, not only did you not take my weapon away, I then used that weapon to be the final death knell and get the one, two, three.
0: Yeah. And, and also, I mean, I've heard some, some people not love the, the way that the sell it, the way that the selling is there, where he's using his injured foot to to hit a move, because some some people would say you you can't use your injured if you, if something's injured you shouldn't be using it because it's injured. But the the way that he hits it and the way that he sells it is that he's he's feeling every bit of it, but he's just gritting through it because he's a baby face and he's got heart and he's got fire and he, he's got a will to win. And even though he knows it's going to hurt him and he's probably going to be in crutches for a week, he's going to hit the super kick because he knows that that's how he can win the match. And yeah, brilliant piece of baby face fire and grit and heart. And as you said, narrative justice as well for
1: everything they'd put him through in the lead up. Uh yeah. You know, I, I feel like anyone that had a problem with the ending as far as the selling Wasn't paying attention because he literally knows the ankles the entire match. (laughs) He holds ankles hurt. He kicks him, and literally as he's pinning him, he's reaching for his ankle. Yeah. He's not holding the legs up. He's holding his leg. Yes. He's holding his leg because he's in that much pain. And I like, I, you know, I'm not going to say I'm a fight expert, but you're in a fight and something's hurt. And that's all you have to use. Uh, you're gonna do use whatever is available in the super kick. That's his the, the instinct, right? Kick, is, is to hit a super instinct. kick. Yeah.
0: Yes. And and that's him staying true to himself. Whereas what did FTR do? That was their mistake. They didn't stay true to themselves, even though they had the match theoretically won, with um, you know, both of the
1: both of the bucks out and Matt extremely injured. Yes. And it was like Cash hits the big move. Why didn't you go for the pin? He wanted to beat Ye Young Bucks with their own style, their own thing. Yeah, that that was his fatal mistake. And it's just, it's brilliant because what, what, you know, what usually gets rid of heels is that their ego, their idea. I need to not just beat you, embarrass you. If you're a W fan and you just watched the Miro versus Sammy match, yeah, you know, it, it was Miro losing it in the middle of the match and taking the turnbuckles out. And they ended up working against them it is just brilliant storytelling. The hubris. Yep. Absolutely. Hubris. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so things finish up bucks celebrating while they sell their injuries. Omega comes out to help them to the back. Um, this was, yeah, as you said, hot and heavy in the air, sweat dripping off all the competitors, guys just going out there and giving their all this went for over 30 minutes i believe i've got one question and this is a big one there was perhaps no match that could match the hype that this one had perhaps if okada reverse omega number five happened or perhaps if maybe omega versus if omega versus kota Ibushi happened again you could say that that had a longer build this one was in the air in the in people's minds for f- 4 years did it live up to the hype Floyd
1: for me it did it was uh it was everything that I wanted it to be and if you I I thought it was a perfect match nothing uh you know no conditions no anything I thought it was a perfect match but when you think about the 110 degree heat, the exhaustion that they went through and how they had, they had to fight through to the point where they literally had passed out and had to be put on IVs and given water when they got to backstage, the no crowd. So, I mean, you have a very small crowd. So the reactions, you know, as far as we were, they probably didn't hear them, you know, cause it was like, it was the ring. There was the, uh, there was the ring, there was the AEW people in the crowd, then there was a huge section of empty seats, and then way in the back, up in the hundreds, you finally had some people. So even if you're thinking about tra- sound traveling, they probably didn't hear a lot of reaction. Yeah, it's they an open
0: amphitheater as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, they can't feed off the crowd. So they're just wrestling. And that's, that's what I was saying before it. If you're going to compare this tag team to a match to any other match, compare it to a match that's in the same situation. And when you compare it to a match in the same situation, there's no match even close.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree, particularly you know when it comes to tag team matches, I can't think of too many that were better than this in the during the pandemic era. Of course, you've got you know brilliant matches like the young bucks lucha bros series that we've we've had before AEW dynamite kicked off you know some of the ones that that kenny and kenny and hangman did early on against the lucha bros against scu on the boat of course there's the revolution tag match which one day we'll get into on this podcast for sure um but when you're looking at matches that happened in the vacuum of the pandemic with you know the f with the AEW crew making a lot of noise and doing as much as they can and props to those guys who were out there week in week out. This is the first this is the first um match we've actually done that was during that pandemic era. So it probably deserves to be mentioned like props to those extras that were out there every single night, every single week making noise, creating a, as much atmosphere as they possibly could.
1: Because but, it was just as hard for them. You know, they're yes, right absolutely. down there in it. So it's just as hot for them. And they've managed to stay energetic. I always say my crowd MVP goes to Austin Gunn. I, I just like, dude, I, I thought he was just pounding. He had to be pounding bangs somewhere yeah. or monsters or something because... <laughs> one, day he's like,
0: gonna, one day he's going to have a shoulder issue and it's going to be because he was banging the fence so much. Yes. I think I think the only other match you could compare, the in terms of tag team matches, compare from during that era would be the, uh, the street fight between the best friends and proud and powerful. And that's a, a totally different atmosphere doing a totally oh, different sort right. of thing for a lot really, shorter period. Um, You know, it's almost apples and oranges. It's hard to compare the two uh, to, if you're going to say which one's better because they are so very different.
1: Yeah. It's just, and like I said, I don't want to take anything away from any other tag team matches. Cause I don't feel like you got to bring another match down to build one up. They're great. They're all great. I just think this was particularly in a weird situation. It's just because when I saw, when I thought I was going to, when the Young Bucks and, you know, FTR gets released, I literally thought the pandemic was going to last a few months, and I thought we were going to be seeing it in front of 10,000 people, 11,000 people, and, you know, half the crowd, well, 75% 75% of the crowd would be for the Young Bucks. 25% of the crowd would be for FTR because, of course, they're heels. So, you know, and, you know, people would be wearing it and, and it would just be this excitement and energy. And I do think we'll get that match eventually. I, I, you know, I, I've learned to be patient with AEW because they deliver. So I do think we'll get that match eventually. But they did it in front of no one and they still killed it. Five five 5.25 is just like. I don't think you'll find a pandemic match rated higher than that, maybe on the same level, but I don't think you'll find one rated higher than that, especially in America. So I, you know, I think it stands on its own as a beautiful story told, a beautiful match. And like I said, for a person that had been hoping for that match, it was everything that I wanted.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, when I first watched this match, I didn't think that it lived up to the hype, but the more I've gone back and thought about it and looked at it, this was the third time I'd re- watched this match through. It, it's one that really does reward repeat viewings, which to me speaks highly for a match. There's some matches where the first time you see it, you think it's incredible, and then you go back and watch it, and you're a bit, maybe not. But I think the mark of a truly, truly great match is that when you watch it, you go back and you you see things in it that you didn't notice before and it builds and builds and 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 its legacy is improved on rewatch rather than harmed and this match for me definitely was improved on the second time I watched it and the third time I watched it and talking to you about it today I've learned even more about it that you know just just adds to my thoughts of this match so I, I've my my impression and my respect for this match has only increased as this as, the, as, as it has faded in, <laughs> faded in time, my respect for it has only increased. Um, I, I did have to ask one further question, Floyd, because I think this is the podcast to do it. Um, the FTR come out with the greatest tag team of all time, um, banner displayed on their their trunks, on their bomber jackets. The Bucks, of course, are probably the critic's choice for it. Who do you think is the best tag team of this generation and why?
1: Okay, so this is a tough question because my favorite tag team, of course, is FTR. And I do think, and before I as, as say my answer, I want to say I do think what's lost is a lot of people, like, they're not the exciting team in the, in their matches. You know, you got American Alpha DIY in them. But for those exciting teams to look good, you need a heel. You need a base to base it against. And I think FTR is the perfect heel tag team and, and they, they make their other play people look good, which that's what wrestling is. That's what the heel does, but you got to look at longevity. Uh, greatness is against different opponents wrestling, different styles. Yeah. I don't think you can touch the young bucks. I yeah. I, I mean, I mean, just being honest, street fights, ladder matches, regular tag team matches, uh, against brawling tag teams, against other high-flying tag teams, against FTR technical tag team. They have just succeeded and been great on so many different levels. I don't think, like, because I'm just trying to be impartial here, I don't think you can have an impartial opinion and them not be one.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Year in year out, for this generation at least, I don't. You you probably. It sounds like you're better placed to say who the greatest of all time is because you've, you've got, got much more of appreciation for the history. But I I haven't I haven't delved enough into the, the history of tag team wrestling, particularly the 80s, to to really be able to say all time. But certainly this generation, like year in year out, the young bucks are just constantly constantly doing great matches and you know the revival had an incredible year in 2016 started 2017 but then 2018 2019 what what's it, there it, really it, to show for it i don't it, know yeah, they, they,
1: fault of their own but yeah, yeah it's there was nothing there
0: it is no fault of their own but at the end of the day you have to go with if you're talking greatest of all time you have to go with what's there and the same i'd say for the usos and the new day who were probably the two other teams that that enter the conversation the most rightfully so as well um you know they had a fantastic series in 2017 absolute all-timer of a series but then in 2018 you know you didn't hear much from either of the teams and it, it, it seems to be that a lot of the other teams have had good years and bad years, whereas the Young Bucks' bad year is as good as most of the other teams' good years, and you know, on their on their best, uh, complete. And it's
1: impossible. like, have the Bucks really had a bad year? <laughs> it's just like I don't I, know since, not since, since I've been I started. Yes, up. I started following them in you know mid to late 2016. They haven't had a bad year. No. shit, they haven't had a bad match. I mean, I mean, they've had matches I can say is not as good as others, but man, I mean, they're phenomenal. I mean, like I said, I I have a particular style that I love. I am more of an 80s based style tag team wrestling guy. So FTR is always going to be my love. And I think they're in any conversation for the greatest tag team of our generation. They're definitely in the top five. But I truly believe there is a one, which is the Young Bucks, like a Grand Canyon and then a two. (laughs)
0: but you know what FTR are in the right place to, to enhance their legacy and really build their legacy. They've been doing fantastic things against proud and powerful. I really liked that series um, of matches they had, even though the first one was, you know, a bit snake bit, but their second match I I thought was fantastic. They do. They've done some great things with, with Jurassic express. As I said, their, their series when they were champions uh, where they did a brush with greatness, it was week after week, you know, they weren't, there wasn't matches on this level, but you can't do that week after week when you've only got twenty minutes. But they were doing great little tag team, um, television tag team matches every single week in week out.
1: And yeah, um, you know, they had a match with Jurassic uh, Express that I thought was really good. Yeah, in that uh, greatness uh, series.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's just a team that fits their style so well because you've got Jungle Boy, who's the guy they can get so much heat on, and then Lucha, and then Luchasaurus, who's this massive hot tag and force of nature that they're just going to try and keep out of the, keep out of the match. I I do remember that one being good as well. And, and as I said, as you said, these two are going to fight again sometime. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. And I'm sure once more, we will rejoice.
1: We will rejoice. And it's going to be, and I will always say this, not trying to make this anything, please get vaccinated. If you're not, uh, because I want it to be in front of a full crowd and I wanted to be everybody exciting, hopefully without masks, because everybody's vaccinated and, and this thing is gone. And everybody, I can be in my full FTR gear, sweating and excited and pretty much standing up and annoying, annoying the hell out of the person sitting behind me, because that's what I'm waiting on. But...
0: Man, you, you won't be annoying them, Floyd, because they'll be on their feet as
1: well. <laughs> yes, uh, but the FTR, the last Pride and Power for Raj, I was in second row for, and it was just, I was like, this is the match. Because the first match in Charlotte, I was so depressed because they didn't announce Charlotte until like literally like a week before they were going there, and I was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't go. Can't but yeah, so I, I just couldn't make it. So I got to make it in Chicago, and it was just. Such a great match. And 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 this will tell you the pureness of my wrestling fandom. I love FTR. I really don't care if they ever win another match because that's how good they are. They are sometimes better in matches that they lose and in matches that they win. Like literally all my favorite FTR matches, they lost.
0: Well, I'm just thinking now what my favorite <laughs> FTR matches, you know, American Alpha, they lost. DIY, the, third, the uh, two out of three falls, they lost. This match, they lost.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's like they're a brilliant
0: tag team whether they win or lose. I mean, isn't that the sign of a great heel tag team that when they lose, it's brilliant, like, and and you just can't get enough of it.
1: Yes, and yeah, and it was like I watched the match with Kenny and Hangman. I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really, really good match. I probably rated it higher than other people rated it from how I watched it, but I, didn't, I think a lot of rating got killed is because FTR won. It's like they played the heels, they played the assholes, and you know what? Hangman and Kenny didn't get their revenge. And that's kind of hard to swallow when you're watching wrestling. You're always expecting the comeuppance. And no, there was no comeuppance. FTR won, they are the new tag team champions. That kind of sucks, you know? So I, I just think their matches, when they've been dicks to people for like a long time and they finally get theirs in the end is just a perfect way to tell a story.
0: Yep. Couldn't agree more there. Look, Floyd, we're fast approaching an hour, which is sort of the limit. I've added on to these. We're doing one hour broadways here at the, uh, AEW match guide podcast. <laughs> Did you have anything extra to add about the match before we sign off here?
1: Uh, let me go. I think I covered everything. Uh, yeah, now I covered everything. I I really did. I went through all of my notes.
0: Yeah, well look, well look, thank you so much for for being here. As I said, I really enjoyed going back and watching this match again, and it only increased my appreciation for it. Uh, it's one that deserves a rewatch if you if you can, as so many of these matches do. I've done a few of these recordings every single time. I think I've said that, so you know we're talking about the best matches ever. So that AEW have done, so it, it's bound to happen. But definitely go back and rewatch it if you haven't. Floyd, tell the good people where they can find you.
1: You can find me on my personal Twitter at Floyd Johnson Jr. Just my name, at Floyd Johnson Jr. The profile says hashtag FTR Express. So, you know, that should tell you who I am. And it's a picture with me of an FTR. (coughs) Uh, The other one is at AT Elite Pod. All Things Elite was already taken by a show that wasn't doing a podcast called All Things Elite. That's really weird. But at AT Elite Pod is the All Things Elite. Our show usually drops Tuesday morning, as we, uh, Tuesday morning. So definitely take a listen to that. Me and Austin break down uh, all the shows and try to get you caught up with everything in the AEW world. Yeah, great, great brand symmetry there. <laughs> you've got the you've got the current events, I've got the legacy. Fantastic. Yes, when you asked me about this match, I was like you're like, I don't want to be stepping on your toes. I'm like, no, hell yeah, <laughs> do it. Do it. This is yeah, amazing. Man. I'm like, yeah, yeah uh, like it's only two years, and the fact that you have this many great matches to talk about is impressive mate and
0: that they're just adding on it every single every single week i think about oh where is this fuck going where is this match going to be right this the way we do this next year so yeah i can't wait
1: absolutely absolutely i it was a pleasure being on the – i thank you for asking me I, I really appreciate it anytime you need someone to come on and riff about wrestling i will gladly do it Yeah, mate. Love your work. Thank you so much. And
0: thank you to the good people out there for listening. Um, You can find me on Twitter, sir underscore Samuel. Uh, And as I said at the start, if you did enjoy the podcast today, please subscribe to it or like it on whichever podcast app you use. And tell a friend why not. Tell someone that likes AEW to come. Listen to the AEW Match Guide podcast. I'd really love it if you could. Um, But until next week, thank you so much for listening. Bye. For listening to the AEW Match Guide podcast, if you enjoyed the show, then you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. Also, feel free to let me know on Twitter at Semi. I'd love to hear from you. The AEW Match Guide podcast is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network where you can find many other fantastic podcasts discussing not just AEW, but all parts of the world of professional wrestling. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Sam Brown.